Well, good to see everybody. Uh, my name's Devin, and I, as we talked about earlier, uh, I'm going to talk about Be Rich and, and uh, this whole series that we're doing for the month of November. Uh, but I'm part of the teaching team. There's a bunch of folks here. Uh, you'll get to see Taylor later this month, the third Sunday of this series. Um, uh, you can see me for the next two, but there's some great folks who teach here and are part of the pastoral team. I just get up here and talk sometimes. I'm not a, a real pastor, quote-unquote. But for this month, I get to talk about Be Rich, and this is something that we've done as a church for, I think, six, seven years now. And the whole thing is that we raise a bunch of money, and we give it all away to causes both local and international. Um, and we'll get into exactly why we do that and why we believe that's such an important thing as a church and as a church body. Um, but I first want to ask a question, and that is, do you, oh yeah, how many of you feel rich every day? You wake up in the morning, and you're like, all of my problems are dealt with. I have the ease that I want. You slept in, like, you've done that whole thing where you arranged your life, and you get to sleep the amount of hours that you want to, and then you go and do the things that you love the most, and then somebody waves you with palm fronds, and then you get the, the latte that you want, eat a nice, luxurious dinner with your friends, and have all of those things that are wealth, right? You have the time wealth and the health wealth. Is there anybody here, uh, how many of you feel rich every day? Seeing, for those of you folks online, if you didn't see, there were no hands. If there's somebody in the chat, you guys can, <laughs> can tell me if there's somebody in the chat. Um, but I'm guessing that for most of us, that is not necessarily the case. But we know that, like, we have the feeling inside that the rich life is a good life. Like, if you had the riches that you wanted, what, whatever areas those were, it would be good. If you had the time that you wanted, things would be good. If you had enough money, like it's, so there's some arbitrary number somewhere of, of income, like then all of the stress, like you could buy off all the stress, all the things would go away. Or if like you had the friends that you've been missing or the, the spouse or the partner, whatever, whatever that looks like, you feel like once you get to that rich life, whatever that looks like for you, you're going to have a good life. Um, and I, I've thought that to myself over the years, too. And one of the things that I continually struggle with and have, like, feel this sense of poverty where I know that I'm, like, just feel deep inside myself that I'm not rich is with time. And we're in the space in our life, my wife and I, where we have four young children, se almost seven, five, and then double three. So you can imagine, like, that's, that's a self-inflicted thing, right? So there's no, no pity here whatsoever. Let's all, this, this is, so these were choices. Um, but you, f like, get to nap time on the weekend, and I used the story last weekend, and last weekend it was woodworking. There's no woodworking for this week, so you can breathe a sigh of relief if you were here and you're like, no more woodworking stories, Devin. Uh, but get to nap time, and I had this feeling yesterday, you get to nap time, and you're like, all right, I have 45 minutes of whatever I get to do, and these are the only 45 minutes until bedtime. And you're like, what do I do to, like, fill myself back up and feel like a whole human being again? And, but there's these other things, like, there's the things I should do, there's the things I want to do, and, like, there's just a lot of angst that goes into those 45 minutes, which, like, ruins the 45 minutes, obviously. It's just, it's just gone once, once you get out of that. And so there's just like, and, but that wouldn't necessarily be better if nap time was suddenly gloriously five hours, right? If all of my children slept for five hours, if suddenly there were an extra four hours and 15 minutes in the middle of the day that the God rearranged the, the laws of the universe such that I could do that, it wouldn't necessarily be better, right? Because like you're, you have an end to it and I feel that poverty of time there. 
And maybe that's not you, but you have the feeling maybe that you don't have that rich life or that good life. It's just, it's not there. And maybe you feel your poverty in, like, health, right? You feel this angst about your health situation, whatever that is, because you know that, like, there's this thing that's staring you in the face, and you're going to have to deal with it at some point. It's coming for you, whether time, maybe you have, like, a deep sense of your place in the universe, and you understand that eventually the, the universe will die a heat death, right? And you feel, like, the, the, <laughs> the sense of, it, of deep existential dread. Hopefully for none of you, you don't dwell on that. But maybe it's something as simple as, like, your money situation. Like, is your, are you building the kind of wealth you want to have to have the retirement that you want to have? Or are you just, like, are you able to make the day-to-day ends meet? Maybe you feel that very tangible poverty or maybe you feel that relational poverty, like you've moved somewhere recently, or you had like moved from one group of friends to another, or you changed phases of your life, and suddenly you don't know the people that you used to, or you're not working at the same place, and you're like, but I don't have the friends that I used to, or I'm not seeing people. And all of that is something that we all have to carry with us, whatever area of life that is, and we have to move through that and have a way of dealing with that. And even more than that, we want to have that rich life, right? And so there's a guy who uh, lived about 2,000 years ago. wasn't Jesus, not this was not Jesus, but it was one of Jesus' apostles, um, Paul, who had this experience with Jesus on the road. He went from being somebody who persecuted Christians to following Jesus and being one of the greatest communicators of all time. If you look back, he was able to share the message of Jesus with an amazing number of people in a time before Twitter, before email, before the internet. Like he did this a very hardcore way, getting on ships, going from city to city, telling a whole bunch of people in the marketplace about this Jesus guy, having them convert, starting new churches, and then writing these chain letters that would go from church to church. And the thing that he said that, like, the message that he got out of what Jesus wanted for us was to have the life that is truly life. Sorry, I should be pointing at this TV. They tell me this every week, like, Devin, point at the TV, because the people on the internet, sorry, people on the internet, they can't see that there's a screen over there. There's a screen over here. My apologies. Life that is truly life, right? And there's something in there. Maybe maybe that set of words speaks to you. Maybe it doesn't. But we all want to live in a way that truly feels alive. There's this line from a book I read recently that haunts me. um, Is that it's talking about like the time poverty. So it spoke to my personal situation a lot. And it was like... uh, all these people who are racing through life to get all the things done where you feel uh, you're too alive to die, but you feel too dead to be truly alive, something in that zone. We don't want that for ourselves. We don't want that for our friends. We don't want that for our kids. We want to live in a way that is truly living. And that's what Paul was speaking to. That was what he took away from what Jesus' message was. And so he wrote this letter on a way to take hold of that life that is truly life. And we're going to pull out a section, spoiler alert, it has Be Rich in it, which is where we get the name from this whole campaign. But what he says is, command those who are rich in this present world. And you're thinking, Devin, you just, like, you put me in that dark, dark place of having poverty, of some kind of, some way, shape, or form in my life. And you're like, I've been sitting in this poverty here for about three minutes now, and I don't like this, Devin. Please take us to a different place. And you're like, but I don't feel rich. You just told me I don't feel rich. And that is absolutely true in a lot of cases. We all have to deal with that sense of poverty. I have to deal with it myself. 
but we're talking about uh, material riches is, is the context in which Paul was talking about here. And spoiler alert, if you live in America and you are here in this room, you are probably in the top 2% of the world. This, it's not guaranteed that you are. I'm not minimizing anybody's financial situation. But the reality is that we, because we live in America, we are unbelievably privileged. And uh, if you make more than $45,000 of the household, this number say that you are in the top 2% of the world in terms of wealth, which is just crazy. If you spend time with global wealth, it's, it's a crazy thing. And if you ask yourself these questions, you may, have, you may be wealthy if you can decide what you want to wear on a daily basis. If you can decide how to color coordinate, you might be rich. If you get to choose a protein with your meal, you might be rich. If you have a family with caring, stable relationships, if you have a college education, if you have the time and energy to exercise regularly for fun, you might be rich in some way, shape, or form. If you get to make choices about your retirement portfolio, you might, have, you might be rich. If you've ever said the words, I know this is a first world problem, because we do that ourselves, right? Like we have enough self-awareness sometimes to be like, this is a first world problem, but I'm still going to share it with you. And that doesn't minimize it, right? Like we all have to deal with these things and they weigh on us. Um, but there's also that reality. So that's who Paul was talking to in this letter. He was like, hey, I see you folks who are rich in this present world. And what he goes on to say is not to be arrogant, nor to put your hope in that wealth, whatever wealth that is, your relational wealth, your, um, your health wealth, whatever it is, which is so uncertain, because deep down we all know it is uncertain, right? They're like, things could change in a moment. Things could be different tomorrow than they are today, which is the reality of living the human experience, which is why it is both a glorious and terrifying and wonderful thing all at once. But to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. And if you're a Jesus follower and you've spent a lot of time with Jesus and, you, and you've been following him for a while, this will ring more easily true for you. If you haven't been following Jesus, if you're not a Jesus follower, if you haven't been following him for very long, this one, the richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Um, we did a series on generosity this summer. I highly encourage you to just go back, not because I said the things, um, but because it's worth taking the time to, to think about what is God's generosity and, and how does he speak to us about generosity. Um, so there's a tension in there of like you're living out this uh, experience of poverty in your life, but God wants good things for us. And, and the reduction of that, of that series is essentially that there are bad things in our lives, but God wants good things, and he is working every day to make sure that you have, can have what you need on a daily basis, and not necessarily things that we want, not necessarily the, the easy life, and there's the hard reality of, like, what the, what the broken world is, but he wants us to have good things. He wants us to be blessed, and so step one is of Timothy's thought, or of Paul's thought process here is that your blessings don't necessarily make you better than anyone, right? Don't be arrogant in the fact that you have all these things, um, but put your hope in God. All, all these things will pass, right? We, we are blessed with some things right now, um, but that doesn't make us better than anybody else. We just happen to, to be in this place and time. And put your hope in God, who is the source and provider of all things. He wants us to have that life that is truly life, that Paul was talking about. Uh, the, the way that Jesus put it was the kingdom. And so he, Paul then goes on to say, this is, this is the solution, or this is what you need to do. So command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, 
and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of, and this is where we've been talking this whole time, the life that is truly life. And so I want to unpack some of this a little bit of like, what is, what's, what's he really saying here? Command them to, to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. Do any of those involve a dollar amount? Is there a, is there a specific number of shekels that he said or a specific dollar amount? There, there isn't, right? There's no, he's not saying like, once you get to this point, you can do these things. Um, but he's saying, if you feel that you are rich, if you feel that you're blessed, if you feel that you have some sort of thing to share, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, like the time past any of our lived experience, right, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Now, thinking back to that time, poverty sort of situation, what, and whatever poverty you find yourself in on a regular basis, like the thing that gives you the angst. Um, I was talking with Taylor, one of the other pastors here yesterday, because he's up in Cedar Rapids giving the mirror to this. So if you didn't like this week, you can drive up to Cedar Rapids next week and be like, let's see what Taylor has to say about week two. Or you can come back here. You have choices, uh, essentially. Uh, <laughs> yes, a, a whole plethora of, of options, right? A buffet of, of teachers. Uh, but we were talking about, like, what is, what's the other side of, like, that poverty, and what is, what is the mystery of giving, which is um, where I want to put us here. Like, there's a, there's a, a mystery to, to what, um, what generosity does for us, and, and his story was, like, his kids were hungry, and he, well, he, he was hungry, and so he got the lasagna out of the fridge from the night before, and, and the lasagna is better the second day, right? I don't know if there are, yes, there's a believer in the lasagna the second day situation, and so he pulls out the lasagna, he warms it up in the microwave, and he sits down to eat this thing, and then his three young children flock to him, and they're looking at him with, like, the little puppy dog eyes, like, feed me, dad, because they smell this thing, and it's wonderful, and so he sits down with the plate and starts, obviously, feeding them as well, baby bird style. At our house, we call it baby birding. You like, you dip the noodle in the sauce and then you drop it in and they go tweet, tweet, which is like the weirdest thing in the world, but we all have those weird things. Um, so I'm imagining Taylor doing this with these little bites of lasagna, not that he actually does that. Um, but at the end of the day, he had less lasagna than he started out with. And they also probably didn't get a ton of lasagna, right? Because he heated up enough for himself. Um, but at the end of that, you know that they all had something more than the lasagna that they started with, right? Because he was giving it to them, and they were spending time together, and they were experiencing that generosity of spirit. In my case, get done with these 45 minutes of, like, terrible angst, and if you want to, like, hear the lived experience on the other side of it, you can talk to my wife. But, like, angsty Devin comes out, and we go out and rake leaves in the backyard, and it's not like I have any more time. Like, I'm not getting the time to refill refill myself, self, whatever. Um, those things are important, but sometimes it's just important to, like, get out of, in my, it's important for me to get out of my own head and just go and spend time and, like, doing something with somebody else. I didn't have more time at the end of the rake, the leaf raking, tarp, putting on leaf smashing, running around leaves all over the, the yard situation. I did not have more time, um, 
and we certainly did not have, uh, like, the, the yard was certainly neater, but it wasn't neat, as neat as if I had been out there, like, meticulously raking it myself. But we had a ton of fun, right? And if you are giving to somebody else, if you're spending time giving something to somebody, there's, whether you're a Jesus follower or not, you know that there's something in there that you are getting, be, that you're both getting beyond the, the physical exchange of whatever the thing is. And the other mystery and the beautiful thing about giving is that if we can back up to Paul a second and what he was saying here, um, doing good, being rich in good deeds, and being generous and willing to share, there's no threshold to that, right? You can share a smile with somebody, and I'm sure there's some TikTok or internet thing out there. If, if you smile with somebody, then it multiplies into two smiles and four smiles. I didn't take the time to search the internet for that. I just, I, I'm, I'm sure it's out there, but you know that if you, you can give something to somebody that doesn't cost you a lot, it doesn't cost you very much to be rich in good deeds, but it does take a willingness to give and a willingness to choose to look at somebody else and say, I'm going to give you this thing, which I may feel like I don't have a lot of, or I feel like very impoverished over here, but I feel rich here. And a lot of times our impulse as human beings is once we start to feel poor, we start to hoard, right? Like you put your arm around whatever it is, and you're like, this is mine. Um, but what he's saying is that the solution to a, to a firm foundation in the coming age, the life that is truly life, lies in here, in that mystery of giving, of giving to somebody else is choosing their good, and that there's something in there that is going to change our lives. And so, as we go through these next four weeks, we're going to talk more about this. There's more, more to be said about what Jesus has to say about generosity and how it will change our lives, but I just want us to sit with the life that is truly life, the mystery of what giving does for us and what it does for other people beyond the physical exchange of goods. And you know that like in the lasagna situation or if you're spending time with somebody that you may or may not have, we all have 24 hours, right? You can't manufacture more. Um, and when you spend that time with somebody else, it is not yours anymore. But there's something beyond what the, that exchange is that you're gonna both get out of it. And so that's why we do Be Rich as a church. That's why we take the time to raise a bunch of money and give it away. A, because Jesus said to do it. And if we look at Paul, he's there like teasing out the why and the what this does for us and why it matters. Um, but to take hold of that life, which is truly life. And so we do Be Rich as an opportunity to both serve like the local school district, if you're going to um, pick up one of those uh, cards to give, uh, give away a uh, hat or some gloves or a set of snow pants, or if you want to serve in whatever situation that is at the celebration at the end of the month with the, um, thanks, with the uh, Thanksgiving dinner after the service, or you can choose to give financially. And that's what I want to talk about here for a little bit about the things that we've chosen. And when I say we, there's this missions committee that we have as a church between our two locations here in Tiffin and up in Cedar Rapids. And they have been out building relationships and getting to know folks over the years that we've been in church and here in the last couple of months to get to know some of the needs both locally and internationally that we have a chance to change. And at the end of this whole thing, we're going to be quote-unquote poorer as a church, right? Whoever chooses to give, the money's going to come here, and it's going to go right out, right back out the door. So we're all going to be quote-unquote poorer, but we also know that the money that goes to these things is going to do a good thing, right? And you can choose to do that here or somewhere else. Um, 
I'm sure many of you do other good things in your life. You're philanthropic in a lot of areas, um, but we just want to take a, chance, a moment as a church in time here in November before the holidays kick off to put ourselves in a place of giving, of generosity, and of making a difference in people's lives. So I'm going to run through these um, and talk through what they are, but first, uh, there we go, uh, um, breakdown of what these are. So Families Helping Families is $6,000, and we'll get into all these here in a second. Birdhouse Hospice, $9,000. Foundation 2 is $9,000. International Missions is sixteen. This is our goal. It totals up to $40,000. This is what we would love to raise to help serve all of these different organizations and missions and ultimately people at the end of the day. So to dive into the actual people, and we'll hear more over the next few weeks about the, how it's going to change actual people's lives. We've got some folks from the organizations and the missions team who have been getting to know what these needs are on the ground. Um, so I will do it some justice, but please come back for the rest of the time to hear a much better version and a much deeper dive into what these donations will actually do. So if we can go to the next slide, um, we've got this orphanage in Lakai, yeah, Lakai, Haiti. Um, which is why the joke at the beginning was like sort of full circle. Um, everybody has poverty in some sort of way. <laughs> um, but we happen to be, uh, happen to have partnered with this orphanage since 2019 through uh, an organization that's here in Iowa that serves folks throughout the world. This Bethel Orphanage, uh, last time around, we gave them um, mattresses for 40 kids. And so 40 kids weren't sleeping on the floor anymore, or whatever that was, or cardboard. They have real mattresses. This time around, we would love to buy a solar pump to supply water to those orphans on a more sustainable, reliable. And if you know anything about Haiti, um, it is not a great place to live in terms of safety and security. And so anything that we can do to provide more safety and security for these kids as they're going through life, the fact that they're in an orphanage is one thing, but like just being able to have water, um, light, those sorts of things that uh, solar energy will be able to do. Um, we're very excited about that. The Bird House is a hospice house here in Iowa City. They work together with a whole bunch of different hospice services, and one of our missions team members has built a relationship with that team uh, over at Bird House that is serving these families who are going through like one of the hardest times in their life when they're losing a loved one. And the things that they would love to have to change people's lives is a phone system so patients and families can connect more directly in hospice and a parking lot update. It, they seem like sort of small things, but this is an organization that's, um, they have a house and they want to provide a place for people to go when they're going through that dying and grieving process that feels more like a home, is welcoming and caring. And these are some of the things that we can do to make that an even, but, well, can't make it a good experience, right? But you can make it better. You can you can help them be a more welcoming and caring place. We're going to hear from those folks next week, so please come back if you want to hear a little bit more about what that looks like on the ground. Uh, Nazarene Compassion. Uh, we are part of a denomination called the Church of the Nazarene. If you didn't know. Um, which means that we work together with a bunch of different churches to do international missions. And one of the things that both the kids down in kids and us as adults are going to do is uh, adopt two, or, uh, two children's education and faith through the Nazarene Compassionate Ministries. The next slide has a little bit more about, we'll focus on this one for a second to keep the train of thought going. Um, we support as a church on an annual basis the missions of the Nazarene Church. And the key to that is missionaries. One of the biggest things is making sure that these missionaries can go overseas, not have to, you've probably known some missionaries who have to go and do fundraising, like go around and raise their own funds. 
the goal of this is to make sure that they don't have to do that so that they can just go serve as missionaries. We've got relationships with folks in Croatia um, and two other places that I will know for next week. Um, but there's three, two families and then a single woman who are out there um, reaching people with the message of the gospel um, overseas. And we want to make sure that they're funded through the denomination. The last two are local that I want to talk about. Families Helping Families um, helps kids in the foster care system to have as normal of an experience as possible. Um, and if you know anything about the foster care system, it is a hard, hard thing for everybody involved to be taken away from your, from your family, like your biological family, the family you started with, and go somewhere else and have to adjust to that and to, for the, both the family who's welcoming these kids in and these kids as they're learning about that. And especially as you get older, right? If you're younger, you don't know as much as you're older. You know what you've lost. You know all of that. So anyway, this organization does a number of things. And the thing that we want to focus on, what they asked us to do, is help with extracurricular activities. Because some of these families, they're taking kids in and they have, like, that's a financial investment. Kids always are. There's a, a book I read recently, and the joke was we should name our children Limitation 1, Limitation 2, Limitation 3. Because they cost you, right? Um, and sometimes these families have to make choices about, like, we're going to feed all these children, provide a loving home, we're going to do all these things, but we can't pay for an extracurricular activity. And that's where we can come in and to provide the, the registration costs and the equipment for hockey or music or whatever it is. Um, so providing some quote-unquote scholarships for families both here down on this end of the corridor and up in Cedar Rapids. And then the last thing... Um, more local to the Cedar Rapids Church, literally two blocks away from that building. If you go up there uh, right after Thanksgiving, you'd be able to see the building from their back parking lot, um, is an organization called Foundation Two, and they do a bunch of different things. They're a local crisis organization. One of the things that they do is support youth who are, going, who are homeless or are just going through a situation where they can't, like it's unsafe for them to be somewhere else. And so they come to this home, um, and it's called, it's a shelter home, it's like 9 to 15 youth at any given time, um, and they provide a safe, welcoming space for them to stay for a period of time, as long as they possibly can, as long as they need it. Um, and we went and toured their facility and asked, like, what do you guys need? What, what would transform the lives of folks here? They're like, this is pretty basic, pretty mundane, but furniture. These are teens, right? And so they wear hard on furniture. They bought these really heavy-duty, serious, like, kind of comfy, but, like, industrial-grade, institutional sorts of things. I'm making it sound really terrible. It sounds like they're concrete. <laughs> they are not concrete, but they have been lived in by these youth for, like, six years, and they are now to the point where it's like there is a spring right there. And they said, we would love to have money to support some new couches and chairs so that these kids don't have to, like, go scrounge up two blankets so they can sit comfy on these chairs. Just help it be a welcoming space. We're also going to have opportunities to volunteer up there. The birdhouse does, too, and that's the beauty of all of these things is we are going to, like, the goal is to support them financially and change these things, but it's also the goal to build relationships with them and go volunteer with the birdhouse. You can go bring a meal for the families who are staying there if, you're, if a group or you personally wants to do that, or we can do the same thing up at Foundation too, um, or Families Helping Families. So that's, we want to have these be long-term relationships, and that's what the missions team has been out doing. Um, a lot of great folks out there doing a lot of work. And these are some 
organizations and people that we want to have a relationship with moving forward. So what does that mean for all of us? We are going to, as a location here, location online, can't forget the online folks, and up in Cedar Rapids, our goal is to raise $40,000 to do all these things. And so if you wanna get involved here in the month of November, you can go online, dive into more about these organizations, learn a little bit more. Our goal is to raise all of it, and then we're gonna give it all away. So the dream is we hit 40. If we go less than that, we're just gonna like take it percentages down depending on what which areas there are. So we'd love to be able to hit it so we can just hand the checks out to each of these organizations for the full amount of what they need. Um, anyway, going back to this, uh, you can go online, dive into more about them so you can truly understand what we're doing, um, and then you can give now there under the Be Rich Fund. You can also make a pledge um, and give over a six-month period because we know that like your situation may not be such that you can give everything that you want to right now. It might make more sense to do it monthly over the course of the next three months, six months, whatever you want to do. And we have that both um, online or you can grab a card in the back of the room on that table that's filled with all those things, right? The table, the one-stop shop. Or you can send a check, you can include Be Rich in the memo line and mail it to PO Box 227 here in Tiffin, Iowa, 52340. And this is all online, so you don't need to remember all of that. Just go to the website, it will have a guide. Uh, for those folks who are online, if you want a pledge card, um, we can get one of those to you. Um, like I said, the back of the room doesn't really help you if you're online, um, but we can get one of these to you. So just let us know, put it, put it in the chat, send us a message during the middle of the week. I've said a lot of things, just a lot of information to take in. If you're here for the rest of the month, we're gonna talk about it a little bit more. And, and again, like I said, dive into these, getting to know these people, these organizations, the difference that it makes. Um, and then we're gonna try to wrap this all up by November 25th and have a big celebratory service and lunch afterwards up in Cedar Rapids if you're here back in town from your Thanksgiving festivities and bringing your turkey and your mashed potatoes and whatever else you have, rolls, if you have rolls. I'm just making myself a list, obviously, of the things that I would like you to bring for that celebratory <laughs> lunch uh, so that I can eat them. We will also bring things. Um, so yeah, love to have you be involved in whatever way is right for you. But at the end of the day, um, I want to go back to a verse that we maybe have prayed at some point in our lives, um, or have heard prayed or said, um, and if you were here for the Heaven series, hopefully this will lock in even more. Um, again, and telling you to go back and listen to all these things, but as you, as you listen to Jesus, as you follow him, he talks about the kingdom a lot. What is the kingdom? And the kingdom involves this mystery of giving a lot. And one of the things that Jesus said in his famous prayer, the Lord's Prayer, right, is your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And the reason we do these things is because if you can think about a world where we did, where we gave all these things, where we gave the, gave the $40,000 away, it's not that we did this, that we raised $40,000. It didn't prove that we were rich and that we got to give all this money away. We do it because we want to connect with people in a meaningful way in the kingdom to give these things in Jesus' name, to give, this, to give these donations and say, hey, this is for you. We're, we want you to be able to change these things in your organization for these people to make a difference in these people's lives. Um, we get the chance to be stewards of whatever we have, whether that's volunteer time or money, um, but to show people what that kingdom is life. And if your kingdom life is like, 
If you're not yet a Jesus follower, would love to chat with you. Um, Caitlin's down in Kids. She's one of our pastors. I'm happy to talk. There's lots of leaders here. Um, but a way to get a taste of what following Jesus is like as you're thinking about what that is or a way to continue to follow his commands as a Jesus follower is to look for ways to do his will and to bring his kingdom in whatever way we have. So think about the way that you are rich. Think about the ways that you've been gifted and given the opportunity to use those to bring God's kingdom to earth, a kingdom where that mystery of giving is true, where God sends his son to a bunch of people who he knows are going to reject it, to people he knows are going to literally kill his son, but he's going to send him anyway and give his life so that all of us have a chance to get closer to him, to follow him, to get to know him in one of the most real and compelling ways possible. And that is what the mystery of giving is all about. So I hope you will join us and consider being involved in Be Rich this year in whatever way makes sense for you. Um, so as we go through, I'm going to close this in prayer, um, but if you have any questions, if I did not do it justice, which I know it did, did not do all the things, feel free to grab me after service. Grab Taylor next week, drive up to Cedar Rapids. He'll be here the third week, so you don't have to drive all the way up to Cedar Rapids to get a different version of this. Um, but it was good to see you. I'm going to close this in prayer. Band's going to come back up and close us with a song. God, outside of the, the words here on a Sunday and the, the things we think about, your kingdom lies in what we do for each other and the ways that we're there and present for each other. You've blessed all of us in some way, shape, or form. I pray this week that we take a chance to understand how we've been rich and also how we're poor, too, and the things that we, the ways that we need to run to you and to, to accept what our limitations are, right, Lord? But within those limitations, you've also given us an opportunity to show what your kingdom like, is like here on earth. And one of those ways is to give to others, to give them more than what that physical exchange of whatever it is looks like, to do it in your name and to understand a little bit more of what you're like, who you are, and what you want for us, because ultimately you are the most generous, and you want us to do these things because, not because we get to be arrogant in our wealth and say, oh, well, I, I did that, and we raised all this money, and we were the best, and, and we're so kind and generous and caring, but it's because it's an opportunity for us to understand you better, and just understand how far we have to go to truly understand how much you care about us. So Lord, help us to do that this week, whatever we choose to do about the Be Rich campaign in this moment, but help us to understand you more deeply, to spend time with you, to reflect on your generosity and how we can live that out in our own lives. In your name we pray, amen.